What's up, CalvertCast listeners? Episode 88, rolling into your earbuds. Some savory-sounding salutations. You're getting good at these introductions. Am I? Yeah, I think so. Thank you. I practice every day. I've established a little routine. I get up, and I greet the day like it'd be a podcast. Really? That's awesome. (laughs) Not really. Not really, no. But do you practice this in front of the mirror? No. No, I don't. I just wing it, usually. It's probably the best thing to do. Probably the best thing to do. I am the illustrious host, Graham Parker, alongside my other illustrious host, Jess Miller, associate pastor and lead pastor, respectively. How are you? I am doing well. We always have to ask that question. That's just common. Even though podcast. we've seen each other all morning, and that's right. There's no. I know how you there. are, but the people don't know how you are, and so they want to know how you are. And I can tell them you're a little testy because I woke you up from your nap. <laughs> yes. How many times have you napped in your office? Is this a regular occurrence? I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> oh, wow. No, what I have found, in what successful people throughout history have found, successful people is that. Power naps. They do, yeah. Are right after lunch sometimes, 10, 15 minutes, just let yourself doze and then wake up and you'll feel more alert. And Yeah. Uh, if people don't know, I just opened the door between our offices here and woke you up from your power I was nap. probably only five minutes into it. But you feel five fresher, minutes. though. Probably fresher than five, when I started. Five yeah. more minutes. I just mm-hmm. drank a cup of coffee instead of taking. That's why you're zinging. I'm zinging. I had a ton of coffee though because I went uh, out with someone for a, like a brunch and I had brunch. coffee. Mm. Yeah, I don't usually drink coffee in the afternoon, but today it's a beautiful, rainy, cloudy day. Yeah, and I knew a uh, Guatemalan that I roasted that I needed to try out. It was really good. Nice man. Guatemalan coffee. So that's good. I don't know. I don't take many naps. Every once in a while, though, you're like oh, I'm gonna die yeah you just accidentally fall asleep and they feel better yeah i think so on days off and stuff i don't like to no. at all ever. sunday but afternoons every sunday afternoon i want to take a nap yeah mm-hmm. i i try not to really yeah especially now that we have like sunday night stuff by like four o'clock i can like feel it in my chest i'm like i need to sleep hmm. and then i take a little nap and i feel really good Right. So it does it does something for you. No, and I would sure. say people may not understand this. The mental taxation that our brains go through each day. I know. You need a little bit of a pick me up nap. So Yep. I agree. All right. That was successful banter. Let me uh segue us into our topic of the day by reading a little chapter from one of my favorite works of all time. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or for evil in the superlative degree of comparison only. That was one sentence. Wow. That's a piece of writing. Do you know that was? Do you know what that's from? Tale of Two Cities. Yeah, yeah very good. I know. I'm very, I'm pretty smart. Have you read that before? Uh, maybe in school. Don't remember much about it. Uh, sounds like I should though. It sounds very intriguing. You should I, I do the audio book for it, and then we'll all listen I know. to it. Uh, well, people got a little snippet there. Hold my... up that um, 
accent for the whole time, and then uh, I don't know if I could do that. It was a pretty bad accent. Really. Is that a long book? Well, how how big is that book? Well, the audio book because I just rented it or borrowed it is like fifteen hours. So hmm. I don't know if I put up fifteen hours with that kind of writing. I mean, right. there's some there's some goodness there, but there's a lot of just wordiness for the sake of wordiness. Yeah, and I think the reason you chose to read that is because we were going to talk about uh, Act Seventeen. A Tale of Two Synagogues. A Tale of Two Synagogues. See how it's, clever we, we are, are when we think of these things. It was clever. another thing that I wanted to have in one of my sermons a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and didn't get to it. So let's get to it now. Which is a lot of my notes for Sunday. <laughs> I don't get to them. How many? How much do you often have like extra? Do you, do you intentionally put in extra and just see what happens? Well, sometimes, no, I find all these things, I put them in, going through it, and then I have to make decisions mm. because I like to keep it in a certain time. Right. I'm very time conscious. Time so. conscious, yeah. So anyway. basically, like, there's all these things together. It can either be synagogues or I take them and I pretty much just copy and paste it into the next week's sermon mm. and do it that way, mm. which is sometimes helpful because then it's like, Part of my sermon is already done for done. the next week, right? Yeah. Then you take more naps. That's on, Then I take more naps. <laughs> don't have to study That's as much it. this week. I'm going to take more naps. <laughs> That's not like this week at all. This week I'm really wrestling with what I'm preaching on. Yeah. So. Um, anyway. We'll get to that in a minute. Acts 17. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll have you read it in a minute if you Do would Do you want like me to, to read it with my same accent? Let me... I want you to read it with your normal Graham Parker, South Dakota and North, Nebraska, Midwestern, Midwestern, no accent. Uh, but we'll um, let me lead in real quick. So the setting was Acts chapter four, and we were ta- introducing Acts chapter four a few weeks ago. Acts four, Romans four. You know what I meant. Um, and of course, Romans four, Paul's um, proving. <clears throat> from scripture mm-hmm. that everything he's teaching about justification by faith alone is from the Bible. It's how it's always been. Mm-hmm. And um, he asks that important question, verse three, what does the scripture say? And so that was in the context of all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I talked a little bit about Martin Luther and the fact that, um, you know, he stood against the world, the no, you know, mm. the, the world at that time. Right. The, right. The church and that in his rejection of their teachings and of his own writings, and then they summoned him and they're like, "Will you recant your writings?" And he made that statement: "My conscience is captive to the word of God." Hmm. Um, and so it's all in that in that context. In in asking a question, how did Luther know he was right? You know, what would give him the strength and resolve to stand against the the church? Because they were saying things like, "You're the only one." saying these things so mm. where are you where are you getting the nerve to do this mm-hmm. and he had to keep going back to scripture and his that resolve came from this is what the scripture right. says right. so i was saying like we need to be a people that are um that are really be able to articulate from the scripture our positions but also making sure all our positions come from the scripture right and and how to do all that. So we're talking about that importance, mm-hmm. and um, which that statement from Luther that make a great ta- tattoo. My conscience is captive to the word of God. It's probably on somebody already. Yeah, I don't. I not many things. That'd be cool. Or like as I'm like a big sign above our desks, mm-hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. This seems like a good thing to be reminded of. Yeah, it would be. It would. Are do you, we'll go get you a tattoo after this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even pay. <laughs> uh, no, I'll pass. <laughs> but uh, and then the other thing I was gonna I was gonna bring up this, and then we'll get to the tale of two synagogues. Okay. Okay. Because something else I'm looking at in my notes that I didn't get to. Okay. This is an important question. So we were talking about the distinction between, you know, Roman Catholicism mm-hmm. and our Protestant Christianity mm-hmm. and the key distinguishers primarily being, well, sola scriptura, mm-hmm. you know, that's first. But then it's um, justification by faith alone in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're saved by grace alone. And I was going to ask a question, like in this whole context, was this: Could if you were talking to a Catholic who actually knew what they believed, mm-hmm. and they were articulating that kind of that mixture of grace and faith mm-hmm. and works, and mm-hmm. could you, from the Bible, mm. show them where that's not true? Mm. Yeah. And um, I mean, I I think it'd be important for Christians to just pause and ask that question. Yeah. Does that because that will that will show you whether you are from the Berean synagogue mm. or the Thessalonican synagogue? Mm. Right? You, you mm. want to be able to prove from Scripture that what um, what you wh- believe what you believe is true, right? If you're a if you're a a Lutheran in that sense, mm-hmm. like you're yeah, you follow in that tradition of Luther of sola scriptura and your conscience is bound to the word of God, then you should be able to give explanation from the word of God yeah. on how, why you believe what you do. And so that's really important. And I, of course, we're a Bible church, so I always want to remind us as a church of that. Mm-hmm. And it and it can be very easy to just take for granted what you're being told, yeah. what you've taught, no good system, you know, even know some systematic theology or, mm-hmm. or catechism, mm-hmm. but not be able to really show from the scripture where those things are right. true. Right. And so you need both of those things, right? right? So um, that's where, you know, we're bringing people back into the word of God and that's yeah. one of our goals. Yeah. Perfect. So with that kind of intro, read. Yeah, we read something. Why don't you read um, 17 and read the first 15 verses let's just do wow that's a lot i know let me catch my breath here now when they had passed through amphipolis amphipolis and apollonia you just want me to read this because those are hard words to say yes they came to thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the jews and paul went in as was his custom and on three sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that it was necessary for the christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying this jesus whom i pro- whom i proclaim to you is the christ and some of them were persuaded and joined paul and silas as did a great many of the devout greeks and not a few of the leading women but the jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble they formed a mob set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of jason seeking to bring them out to the crowd and when they could not find them they dragged jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting these men have turned the world upside down have come here also and jason has received them and they are all acting against the decrees of caesar saying that there is another king jesus and the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. 
Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. All right, so, um, you know, you can compare these two synagogue reactions. And, of course, the synagogue was the uh, the gathering of the Jewish people. Uh, like their where, church building. It was like their church, right? They would gather on Saturdays and, and worship and such. And uh, there were Gentiles as a part of that as well that were Gentile converts to um, the Jewish faith. But in the main, it's Jews. And you can see in what Luke is doing here in, in the first part in, in Thessalonica, there were people that were saved out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's And we have the letter to the Thessalonican church, mm-hmm. well, two of them, right? Yeah. So there were people that were saved. The Word yep. of God was effective in some lives. And you'll notice what Paul does in verses 2 and 3, he had a custom, and this is really important, and this is what he's doing too in part in, in, in Romans 4. He would reason with them from the Scriptures, and he would be explaining from the Scriptures and proving from the Scriptures that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And so in Paul's mind, it was very important to show people that the gospel he's proclaiming of Christ's death and resurrection is not new. It's right. actually in the scriptures. It comes from God and doesn't originate with him. And so that's the way he would teach is from the scriptures. And this, you know, First Corinthians 15 says uh, uh, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, mm-hmm. that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so that's really important. So, um, and some of them, believed but it seems like the vast majority referred to you know in like verse five as the jews right um probably the religious leaders even though paul like we know so we're sitting there we're we're, we know paul was convincing Mm -hmm. like he was he knew the scriptures Mm -hmm. and he was gifted by the spirit mm-hmm. and he was an apostle so when he's proving from the scriptures right. that this was the christ and he's explaining isaiah 53 mm-hmm. and other places you know you know it was convincing right so his argumentation wasn't flawed mm-hmm. um it's almost as though they didn't they wouldn't even listen to what he was saying mm. they didn't like what he was saying they mm. didn't they didn't like the way it sounded. They mm-hmm. had rejected it already, kind of closed their heart to it, mm-hmm. no matter what right? he was saying. But then you get into Berea, and um, you know he, he goes there. He went into the Jewish synagogue, verse 10. This is his custom. Mm-hmm. And, and Luke now is bringing out this clear, like, uh, comparison, yeah, contrast, be- contrast between these two uh, synagogues, and he said, "Now these Jews were more noble mm-hmm. than those in Thessalonica. Why? They received the word with all eagerness. So they heard what Paul was saying. They're listening to his message. They're listening to his teaching. And there's actually an eagerness there as they're listening to this." 
But then they did this, which really increased their nobility, right? They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. These were biblical Jews. Uh, Jews. Yeah. yeah. They were biblical to court. It wasn't to them. It wasn't a matter of what they had been taught hmm. or what they felt or any of those things. It was, it was completely like, does God, is this from the Bible? Cause if this is from the Bible, then we'll accept it because they know then it comes from God. And, um, and that's interesting because in second Thessalonians, when Paul is writing to the ones who did believe there, Mm-hmm. He said this, we also thank God constantly for this, that when mm-hmm. you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of men, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Mm. And so that's really what the 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 true believers that came to faith in Christ in Thessalonica did. They they were convinced this is the word from God. Yeah. This isn't just Paul's right. idea. And the same with the Bereans, who it seems like there were more of them, and the Jews, especially among the Jews, were were more noble because they were willing to listen to him, but they were going to examine what he said from the scriptures. And when they came to that conclusion, then many of them believed, right? Because if right. you could prove it from the scriptures, then they knew it comes right. from God. Which is like the Jews in Thessalonica, they probably would have said, yeah, we're, we're people of the Bible. We're Jews. We examine the scriptures. Uh, but yet they, they really weren't. Right. So there are a lot of people that can claim to be all about the Bible, but they're really not. Yeah. So It is interesting how the parallels between um, that first century, the first century Jewish people, the, especially the religious leaders, stuff that reject Christ, and Roman Catholicism on mm. so many different ways, because mm. one of them is it isn't Scripture alone. It's right. also the teaching of the rabbis. Yeah, interesting. So when anything contradicted what they had been taught. Right. Um, and this is why, you know, um, so I think it's helpful to think about this being Berean-like for Christians now, because you may have been taught something in a church for years. Mm-hmm. And, you know you leave that church and you go somewhere else and all of a sudden they're teaching something different. Yeah. And, and let's say a my even a minor area, some major area in the doctrine, uh, areas of doctrine. The question isn't, have I been taught this before? Mm. The question is like, is this from the Bible? Right. Right. Um, and, um, there are, there are doctrines about God and the things that he, that he does. Yeah. That are often not mentioned or talked about in certain churches for certain mm. reasons. And then all of a sudden a Christian will leave there or they'll and they'll go to our church and hear about a doctrine yeah. of God and it won't sound right to them. Yeah. And yet the question is it's not really what this sounds like, but is this from the Bible? Right. 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 And I think that's one um one way to apply mm. this. Mm-hmm. So I started dipping into a book on the the sovereignty of God and the providence of God. Mm in a believer's life and in the author's intention is like understand your suffering comes from a God who is both sovereign mm. and very active in your life. And he demonstrates from scripture how suffering ultimately mm-hmm. in, in the believer's life is under the direction of God. Right. Right. And even that doctrine right there sometimes can throw it, people off. Right. It, it's uh doesn't seem to jive with, with their experience or things like that. That's right. Yeah. So in the opening chapter, he had this quote. He said, the measure of a doctrine scripturalness, scripturalness 
is never whether we can reconcile it with our limited logic or with our personal experience, but whether it is rooted in the clear contextual statements of the Bible. Hmm. And uh, so then through the rest of the book, he just encourages then, you know, he's like basically as you read through my book, read through this book with an open Bible next to it, Hmm. you know, and see if what I'm saying is true. true. Is this part of the clear contextual statements of the Bible? Hmm. And so that's our encouragement, of course, for, for people at Calvary Bible Church would be even as we're teaching, right? to have their Bibles open. Yeah. And, and, you know, on the one hand, you know, I'm speaking to people that would be just very go with the flow, trusting people. Right. But yet there, there should be this tradition of, I should have to demonstrate to you from the Bible and the connection, clear and contextual. Right. So I'm showing from the context, right. The statements that are there, what, what we think this Right. Means, means how this applies, all those types of things that are all of our teaching has to be rooted in it. And we want a church that's always following along with that right. and a scene. They're scene. saying, show me the context, show me the text. That's right. Right. Not in a, in a like a hostile way. No. But, but that's just what hopefully they're, they're trained to look for and to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and they should. You know, on the you don't. We also want to caution, like you don't want to become like one of the. You know, you don't want to become like a, a person that's critical, right? Like waiting for you to mess <laughs> up on something, right? It's like you don't do that either. Because th- there's a distrustingness that can yeah. come along that's also unhealthy, right? You know, especially if you're a part of a local church, and every week you're looking for, in our situation, for you to stand mm-hmm. up there and. And trip up, right? right <laughs> you yeah, know, you don't want or, that. You don't want that, or like, I just don't. I don't know if I can trust what he. That that's not right either. That's yeah. not healthy. Yeah, I think sometimes too, people come to a new church, um, especially older believers and stuff. It takes a while to establish trust. Mm-hmm. Like, if if there's a, a a time that goes by where they hear a consistent biblical exposition, mm-hmm. things being proven from scripture. Mm-hmm. There is a guard that's let down sure. a little bit, which I think is good, right? In one way, right? And yet again, we're always encouraging. Let's all let's mm-hmm. search this out together. And mm-hmm. I should, whoever's up there, should have to do the work of mm-hmm. studying that passage, figuring out what it means, says, implies, mm-hmm. and then showing everybody right. what this means. So is it is it you know what does the scripture say mm-hmm. is our number one mm-hmm. um, question? Yeah, not how do I feel? What do I mm. think? What have I been taught? Mm-hmm. What does so-and-so teach? But what does the scripture say? And I love the way um, this author, and I can't remember his name, put it, but it's those clear contextual statements. Because yeah. we also know that scripture can be taken out of context. Right. Verses yep. can be distorted right. to make it mean whatever you want right. it. But re- you know, the, but what we say should be in that clear contextual statement mm-hmm. of what's going on in the text and what's being taught there. And there's a... There's a element of work that has to be done on the part of the person hearing and the teacher, right, to communicate these things. I was just even thinking, you know, when Paul goes into these synagogues and he's reasoning from the scriptures about Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. there's some like actual, like some really good work that's being done mm-hmm. and explain it. Because if you think about it, you read the entire Old Testament, you'll never see the name like Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> and you'll never have like, you know, uh, a First Corinthians 15, I received you know, uh, that Jesus Christ died from the, like, you're not going to get it that explicitly. So you have to do some work of digging and under and uncovering all of these things. So one, like we need to be that same sort of 
have that same workmanlike attitude when it comes right. to the scriptures. And, and then also, um, I don't remember the other thing I was going to say. It must have been a lie. It just went, phoop, must just have been gone. a total lie. Two o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm done. So yeah. there, you got one thought out of me. Right. Yeah, and so anyway, this is where I, I wanted to bring that out. I kind of wanted to share this. Um, I think our church is, is really good at, you know, searching the scriptures mm-hmm. and, yeah. and wanting to be a part of that. And coming into the service or into the Bible study lesson or whatever, the Sunday evening, with a with a Bible mm-hmm. and um, and ready to engage, mm. like we put out that book, be an expository listener, yeah. right? right? And um, you know that book's the main point is like just come ready to engage the uh, what's being taught and be Berean like. Uh, I'm just going to piggyback on something there for a second. You, you talk about bringing a Bible. Do you think it's profitable for people to bring their own Bible? And what about like a Bible app? I I think it's fine. Yeah, I think there's a profit in bringing a Bible. Yeah. I think, um, but I realize now we're we're going into a lot of people are digital, almost mm-hmm. everything, and I see people walking in with phones in mm-hmm. there or their iPads and stuff. Mm-hmm. As long as they're following along right. in that, and I'm I'm okay with that. And some yeah. of them you can take notes. And oh yeah, you could look. I mean, there's a lot of like good tools and resources. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would add, like as maybe a caveat, because I've thought about this. There's something about a paper Bible that mm-hmm. you can become more familiar with, mm-hmm. and at least, and and maybe everybody's different. But for me, I can envision where passages mm-hmm. are in my Bible because yep. of how it's laid out, because of how I've underlined it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I am so much more familiar. Yeah, you know, if I'm like, I I gotta find a text. I know it's in this, and this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can find that so much easier than if it was in an app. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and then the other thing too is if you're using your phone primarily on a Sunday morning. I would think you'd you're gonna be tempted by the text message that comes yeah. in, the email notification, right. the whatever, to go peruse those things. So if you don't have that, you just have your Bible. Right. I think I think that would be the one of the bigger problems is right. the distraction, right? Right. So, um, I, I was all for free because you're not. Yeah, you if you you don't want anything in the the that aspect of when we're studying the Bible right. together, you don't want things that are distracting right. you. There's right. going to be enough of that going on in your brain there's, and around you. There's like a, a continuity of thought. Like you can, as you're studying, right? And and like, I think we experience this as we're preparing to teach or whatever. You kind of get into a flow where your mind is really tracking you, understanding what the passage is, you're writing, you're doing whatever it is. And the thing that will distract me like nothing else is my phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You mm-hmm. know, like, oh, look, a notification. Oh, let me go, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you're out of that flow and then it's so much harder to mm-hmm. get back in it. Yep. So Yep, that's right. I don't know. All right. So cool. be Berean like. Be Berean like. Well, we hope the podcast, this discussion has been helpful and profitable for you, especially for the people of Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction, as we want our podcast to encourage you and equip you to be better students of the Bible, to know it and love it, love it more. We love to hear from our listeners. So if you're part of our church, come up and talk to us on a Sunday or midweek, whenever we see you, give us a call or send us a text. Outside of our church, send us an email, thecalvarycast at gmail.com. We're always looking for feedback or for questions that you would like us to cover on the podcast. We'll, we'll evaluate those on a first-come, first-serve basis. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.